This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, more of our podcasts at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And in addition to all of that, you can also support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer. At the minimum rate of $1 per month, you get access to an exclusive RSS feed with content recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. Tiny, we just recorded a very loose um, uh, Patreon recording. How'd you feel about it? Good, good, man, good. Yeah, we talked a lot about the new season of The Twilight Zone Mm -hmm. and uh, did some stupid Hamilton riffs. Of course. um, Which was fun. But yeah, so how how are you doing, by the way, Tiny? Because for those who don't listen to our other podcasts Mm -hmm. they have not heard from you in like a few months it's been a hot minute it has been so how are you doing what's new with you and uh why don't people listen to our other shows (laughs) (laughs) well i now prefer to be called antonio uh i am trans i'm kidding no um (laughs) why would it be why would be antonio antonia oh antonia okay i thought because i thought you said antonio and i was like did Okay, I don't know. Why can't it be Antonio? It's transphobic, Matt. It's, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. <sighs> Canceled. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I, you know, I've been good, man. I've just been, nice. you know, grinding her out. And, yeah. Um, I've actually been watching some stuff a little bit. Nice. Which is why we're going to be doing an extended potpourri today. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, you have also been... It's not like you haven't been podcasting, though. Right. Like, we have been really working hard at doing a stand series on tower junkies which we have three in the can we also covered um castle rock and uh yeah and then also you made a guest spot on anthology in a special uh between seasons episode so that was cool that was a cool episode yeah yeah um reading a lot too i've read like four books five even since the last time i was on holy crap yeah so um what are the do you know offhand what the five are uh i would have to take a gander mountain okay Nice. Um, Not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> uh, is that even a company anymore? I, I don't know because I think you know the one that the one in Avon is a Dick's Warehouse now or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the stand. Oh right, yes. Read that one. Um, Tribe by Sebastian Younger. Tribe. Uh, Tribe. Tribe. Okay, we Which, talked about yeah, that. That's yeah. a super short one, so that nice. one barely counts. And then Revival. Nice. Stephen King. So to, I guess it's only, we need to review that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in my fourth book right now, I guess. Nice. Which is uh, Alexander Hamilton by Ron Turner. Nice. Uh, which is going to take a while because it's right. 35 hours long. Yeah. I I did something similar, which we'll talk more about. I think I think it'll... I don't know. Anyway. Um, so, uh, like, I, ha- I had mentioned to you, and I haven't, like, mentioned it to you again um, yet because I got distracted with something else. Anyway misery <laughs> yes yeah we'll have to do that and then review it on tower junkies but sure i didn't start re-listening to misery because i started well, i've been listening to the outsider but i've also i just started listening to um 
Musashi. Okay. Um, yes. When did Stephen King write that one? It, he did not. Oh. Um, so I've been really getting into Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. And Musashi is a very like fifty three hour, uh, oh yeah, book that is a dramatization of the life of Miyamoto Musashi, who was one of, if not the like, the most famous and like legendary swordsmen of like the, I think Edo period, Edo period of Japan. Mm. Um, and like I don't know, you don't remember Seven Samurai that well, do you? Uh, nah, a little bit here and there. Okay, there was one character that I was really a big fan of, um, Kyuzo. Um, right, he's kind of the main guy, isn't he? Sort no, of? you're no. thinking of Kikuchio. Okay. Um, but Kyuzo was this guy that was just like totally dependent on, like like his main focus was his was his swordmanship. But he's, isn't he played by Toshiro Mifune? No, that's Damn. Kikuchio. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Anyway, Kyuzo is this guy that's like, he's like constantly like, um, just he's 100% committed to his craft and, and his, his sword sword skills. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, there's a moment where like everyone is kind of hunkered down and, and not doing it. Like it's a, it's downtime at the farm uh, or the village. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like, it's raining. And then he's like, I'm going into the woods to practice. And like, it's just <laughs> that. And like his character was modeled after Miyamoto Musashi. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, to Mifune though, was in a trilogy of films that was adapted from this book. He played uh, Musashi in those movies. Um, not directed by Kurosawa or anything, but mm-hmm. I watched them earlier this year, and I'm hoping to review them on the website at some point. But Sweet. Um, yeah, they're pretty good. Pretty good. When was he around? Like that period? Was that like... I think like a- late 1800s, maybe? Okay. Um, I don't gotcha. know when the actual... Cause I like I don't know as I'm getting more engrossed in like the uh, samurai like movies and stuff like there's a very distinct like obviously like history of Japan sure that I'm like oh okay uh, that, that I kind of would like to know the timeline of if I'm watching more right um, okay so Miyamoto, Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, was alive from 1584 to 1645. Okay, wow. So yeah, it's it was the it was like the uh, 17th century. Is that like feudal Japan? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is my extent of feudal Japan is that it was feudal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't studied Japanese history at all. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know. But um, interesting. Samurai cast. Uh no. Yeah, no. No, I would not, I would not be comfortable with that. Like I would not have enough knowledge for anything remotely like right. that. I just like the I just like the movies. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I'm listening to that and uh cool. and also the outsider. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, the listening to Hamilton is making me want to the book mm-hmm. uh, is making me want to beef up on my founding father history oh, yeah. um as i read john adams and i read mm. a book about george washington i wrote read 1776 by david mccullough um some of the other founding fathers i i just haven't don't know anything about really mm. and don't know much about them yeah um, yeah and there's so many re- reading through alexander hamilton like there's so many like committees and like uh, this is there we're having this convention and that convention and this person's on that convention but mm. only like there's like 50 people who were part of this convention but they were all there at different times and there was never more than like 
20 of them there at one time and i'm just like Jeez. and hamilton was on like seven of them and it's just like God. i can't keep it all straight and like what yeah. did they decide here and you know the big ones are like the um the constitutional convention obviously mm-hmm. and um uh geez the one where they ratified the declaration of independence can't think of um, it um cons- no uh constitutional convention part two <laughs> um. <laughs> i can't remember yeah. but uh, anyways it, there's just so many of them it's hard to keep it all straight mm. and then who was on which one and right I, it's it's just crazy starting a country is kind of hard that is from what i've heard it, it yeah. sounds pretty difficult um yeah i was going to say and i'm sorry um <laughs> the only other thing the only thing that i know about the other founding fathers is that like um every other founding father gets, gets to grow, to grow old. old um Every other founding father story gets told. The story gets told. Yes, damn it. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, yeah, God, that song. <laughs> yeah, so good. Oh man. Um, anyway, so yeah, so that's what we're reading. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it before, and I uh, and maybe it was on Patreon last time. I know. I don't know, but I talked about how I wanted to read more, um, like Revolutionary War, like yeah. Know, uh, startup country stuff. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I, I didn't mention about that, or one of the reasons I don't think I mentioned was that I want, I think it would be fascinating to read multiple biographies of it. in like, like around that time, just to see how, like, okay, how, like when writing about Alexander Hamilton, like Ron Chernow, like had him the focal point and everything, but like, okay, someone else's biography, like Alexander Hamilton is a guest actor (laughs) is, is a, is a bit player in that. And like, Mm -hmm. I I just think it would be really interesting to see how each founding father is, is, you know, reflected in, in the stories or in the, in the the biographies. (laughs) Right. Yeah. One thing I remember about the Washington biography, Mm -hmm. biography that I read, which I think was also written by Ron Chernow. I think so, yeah. Um, one interesting thing is, like, he's one of the only founding fathers that, like, mm-hmm. intentionally got rid of or, like, hid away a bunch of correspondence and writing oh, between yeah. he and his wife. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he, he wanted to be he wanted to be somewhat private. Yeah. And so, like, especially, the, I remember, especially the correspondence between his wife, he and his wife, mm-hmm. like, I think it was destroyed. Like, nobody knows... Wow like what they were saying to each other during the, while he was away at war for yeah. you know 8 years or whatever um whereas like John the John Adams library in I think it's like Braintree Massachusetts um has like literally thousands of pieces of correspondence Jeez. just between John and Abigail Adams mm-hmm. and, like they still have the paper like the actual paper that they wrote on and that's sent insane. across the fucking Atlantic Ocean for, that took 3 months to get there like Jesus. that's still in a like that's crazy um, but Washington has like none of that between he and his, he and his wife. He yeah. intentionally destroyed it. Wow. Um, so it's, you might say that he took himself out of the narrative, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you just, you have no control who lives, who dies, who and tells who your story. Tells story. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Ron Chernow pretty much. Tells <laughs> yeah, Ron Chernow does. Um, yeah. Apparently. And David McCullough. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's interesting. And, and I'll segue out of this. Yeah. Sorry. We're getting, no, you're fine. Um, so yeah, like that the correspondence that takes like three months to to get it. Like that's the amount of time it takes to you to get back on the podcast. I know, right? Yeah. So yeah, what's what you been up to? 
Uh, you know, um, just, just, just stuff and things, you know, nice. uh, we were chatting with Mike on the, mm. the pod chat today. Yes. Um, I have seen like six or seven movies that were released in 2020. That is, yeah. And we're in damn near the eighth month yep. of the year. That's really bad. Uh, if I could borrow a line from a movie that I wasn't really a fan of, The Wolf of Wall Street, mm. um, Matthew McConaughey is like, those are rookie numbers. You need to bump those up. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. I was going to mention, this is a perfect time to bring it up, um, if you want like an idea of like some movies that you, that you can seek out and everything. Ben has been doing a ton of really good, uh, work on the website, uh, contributing his reviews to the website and almost exclusively his reviews have been 2020 releases. Sweet. So, yeah. So he just today, uh, posted the, his review of yes, God, yes. Yeah. I want to see that one. Yeah, me too. I like, I read his review and it's like, it's so like, I'm very curious what you'll think of it, Mm -hmm. of the movie. Um, because what I loved about Ben's review is that it came from a, from the perspective of someone who went through Catholic school and like went to like the retreats that are depicted in this movie. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a really cool perspective to bring to his review. Um, that's what has me interested in it too. Yeah. Cause I was in that world for a little while. Right. So yeah, that's how I know Ben is from Catholic school. When kids. Right. So yep. Yeah. I want to see that one. Nice. But, um, yeah, like on, on a whim, uh, Paige and I just watched, literally all of the harry potter movies yeah um kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. um we just yeah we just watched the good old blu-rays so nice that has me wanting to reread the books oh okay because nice. uh yeah harry potter crows new <laughs> um, <laughs> new um have you been keeping up with um what's it jk rowling's the whole like, i do not internet? know a shred about it oh okay um, i don't know much about it either but she's apparently transphobic right um and like she's like I don't know. One of the things that like came out was like, she was like, a, uh, like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have enough authority on it, but apparently she's like, people are like super just upset because she is like legit. Like she keeps doubling down on her really? stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I didn't realize that. I thought she said like one thing. Oh no, no, no. She keeps doing it. And like, she Damn. tweeted something that had like a, like she tweeted something that, quote unquote accidentally included a copy and paste from like she accidentally pasted a part of an article about um some something about trans people that was derogatory toward them, I think. I don't know. I don't have mm-hmm. enough knowledge to really talk about it, but Damn. Yeah. That's a shame because she I mean for years, uh when she was at the height of her fame always was very progressive mm-hmm. and very I mean very much in favor of gay rights and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um it's kind of strange. It is strange, and it's funny that um, one of the one of the tweets that I've seen, like people people saying online, is that like, do you really, do you really, um, uh, are you really surprised that someone who names like all of these characters, like oh Hermione Granger and um, and uh, I'm trying to remember other characters' names. Um, Ron Weasley. Ron Weasley. Nymphadora Tonks. Yes, perfect. Nymphadora Tonks and everything. Like naming all of, like McGonagall and McGonagall? McGonagall, yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, like having all of these unique names and everything, and then names like the one Asian person, Cho Chang. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> like, are you, are you really surprised that she's intolerant of things? That's funny. Yeah. So, not things. I don't mean it like that, but she's... Right. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that's uh, that's been interesting. Yeah. Something else, before we get into the extended potpourri, something that happened, like, there was... I guess, and you know me, I'm not really into Star Wars or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Although all the samurai movies I'm watching, I'm like, maybe I should revisit Star Wars because it has Mm. such a, I don't know. Don't. I know, I know. (laughs) But uh, one night, so so one night, uh, a few nights ago, I saw, like, you know, like I said, you know that I'm not big on Star Wars or anything, but um, Ray Park was, uh, was trending on Twitter. Okay. And, of course, Ray Park played... Darth Maul mm-hmm. and the Phantom Menace and stuff. Um, and like there was apparently there were rumors that he was um, going to reprise his role in a Disney plus Darth Maul series. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting, but that's not why he was trending. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this man, this is, I don't have all like any notes or anything for us. So I'll just do it from memory. Um, he was trending because he posted on Instagram a video of apparently, allegedly, his wife performing fellatio on a stuntman or something, and it was, like, not a hack, (laughs) it was not accidental, it was, like, revenge porn. Wow. And... Apparently he had also like commented on the guy on the the stunt guys like Instagram like just like the most like high school like oh I have beef with you kind of thing. Wow. Um yeah. Huh. Uh and then it was taken down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't caught up with with anything that went on after that or anything but a lot of people were like okay well I guess Ray Park isn't going to be on in the Darth Maul series <laughs> um if they do it. Yeah. So Damn, I had heard that they were yeah. going to bring Darth Maul into um, Mandalorian. Oh, interesting. That's what I had heard. Okay. The I had never really looked into it. Cause yeah. Did you ever finish Mandalorian? Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I. Oh, really? You never finished it? I never did, and I wanted to. Like, I, I want to. Like, I like the show. Mm-hmm. It's the one Star Wars property that I like. And to bring it back to Samurai stuff, um, the like one of the last episodes I watched was the one that's basically a riff on seven samurai <laughs> mm. where he's defending the village from, from the, that's a good one. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Like, and, in like that, <laughs> that episode is why I bought seven samurai on Blu-ray. Like that's why I upgraded <laughs> to Blu-ray. Wow. Um, and also got Yojimbo and Sanjuro on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just stopped after that. I think I watched the episode after that and then I was just like, eh, eh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I loved it. It was a great season. Nice. I'm, it got yeah. Emmy nominations. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, which is cool. Sweet. Yeah. Who knows if we'll get a season two. Oh, yeah. Because of the virus. Right. I was going to say, like, it's definitely getting a season two. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 Um, so, Extended Potpourri? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, we're going to go into Extended Potpourri. If this is your first time listening, I, I hope that this isn't too bad. <laughs> but, not that it's bad. I don't know. Um yeah, anyway, 
If this is your first time listening, Potpourri is a section of the podcast where we basically wind down and talk about uh, stuff that we've watched lately, stuff that we're into, stuff that we're looking forward to. Uh, the kind of tagline of Potpourri is whatever we want, as long as it smells good. And sometimes, uh, occasionally, we do extended Potpourri, where we basically take the Potpourri section and expand it to its own full episode. And I figured that since Tiny has not been on the Obsessive Viewer in nigh on three months... <laughs> um, uh, this would be a perfect opportunity to for us to just chat about what we've been watching the last uh, couple months, I guess. So, Tiny, since you uh, haven't been on that much, mm-hmm. uh, why don't you get us kicked off? What do you What do you have sure. for your potpourri? Uh, so, the first movie I was going to bring up was The Gentleman. Interesting. The latest uh, film from Guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Um. This movie like really was not on my radar at all. I think it kind of tanked. Mm. Um, but his movies, at least his like, you know, uh, non big franchise movies are are kind of like lower budget. Like they're not really meant to be like big huge blockbuster movies, right? So I, financially, I don't really know much about it or anything. But I feel like I just never really heard anything about this movie. It wasn't really on my radar or anything. Um, but I just, you know few months ago was looking for something to watch and i was like oh that's right that's the guy Ritchie movie i, I mean i mm-hmm. love guy Ritchie. i want to see it and uh turns out it was it was some nice totally vintage guy Ritchie type oh nice filmmaking, okay. which i'm glad he kind of got back into mm-hmm. um it's very much in the vein of uh snatch and lock stock and two smoking barrels um rock and rolla those mm-hmm. kinds of movies, um, and I love all three of those movies. Um, it's sort of a uh, mysterious whodunit noir blend kind of thing. Okay, um, which is sort of how I would describe those those movies. Um, they don't fit into a box, mm-hmm. um, but it just it, man, it was so it was just really fun. I I just love those love his style okay. and, and the way he chooses to st- to tell a story. Nice. Um, it has a great cast: uh, Matthew McConaughey. Charlie Hunnam, uh, Michelle Dockery, uh, Colin Farrell, um, Henry Golding, who's kind of blowing oh, up. Oh, yeah. Uh, British From Asian a, gentleman. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, Crazy yeah. Rich Asians. He, it was really cool to see him in this because he uh, plays like a bad guy, basically. Okay. Um, uh, so he wasn't really... He was also in that... Um, I think it was him. that uh, The movie... I can't remember what it was called. With... Um, Anna Kendrick and uh, Ryan Reynolds' wife. <laughs> um, um, oh, 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 yeah. Um, a, a, a simple favor. A, yeah, a simple yeah. favor. Yeah, yeah. I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. So he was good, but again, kind of like a wholesome, mm-hmm. clean cut kind of guy. And so he was. Uh, it was cool to see him play like a bad guy in this. Nice. I liked that. Um, and then Hugh Grant was really funny. Nice. Um, I loved Hugh Grant in this movie. So, yeah, just. Uh, um, it was, it was interesting seeing like an American actor playing an American in one of his movies. Oh, interesting! His movies are so distinctly British, right? And, like, like you know, he the it made me think of his movies make me think of the like, um, that sketch from SNL. SNL. I just watched yeah. that sketch like last <laughs> night, just randomly. So funny, yeah. Because like that's that's the movie they're making fun of is yeah. Guy Ritchie type mm-hmm. movies. Um, and so you know it's it's just funny to have an American and like 
Matthew McConaughey's not only American, he's from Texas, and he's right. got that a little bit of that mm. twangy drawl to him. So, um, so that was kind of a fun, a fun twist. But uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it other than that. Just okay. that it's if you're a Guy Ritchie fan, you will really dig the movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, did you rent it? Yeah, we watched it on mm. Amazon. I think. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah that that sketch. Um. <laughs> uh. I don't know. Okay, it's uh, uh don't go round and don't go round and round to Rero. <laughs> and uh it's so great. I'm going to play a clip of it for cuz it's so great. Jerry Donovan spent 17 years in an English prison. Do you really feel that you're rehabilitated, Mr. Donovan? Yeah, that's right. And vowed to turn away from a life of crime. I got a job for you, Terry. Nah, Dove, I don't do that kind of thing anymore. But he'll pick up a gun once again to defend the only thing he loves. If you don't do what we say, Charlotte's here and have it known, I read you. The critics are raving British. Extremely British. I didn't understand what they were saying. Never mind, Opie. I would like to hear it. Don't have time to say them. Bye bye. From the producers of Sexy Beast, the Red Riding trilogy, and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Thursday, Thursday, you. I am And the director of Earsy is Round a Ben and Garofferi comes the toughest, grittiest, most British crime drama of the year. Don't go round, round me, bro. Don't you go round and round to reload. What? Oh, so great. So great. <laughs> I got a job for you, Terry. Darwa, do that card take anymore. Oh, so I great. love the voiceover in it, too. The one guy is like, the one guy, Gypsy or Crispy, he was good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. Voiceover in it. Yes. yeah. So great. He was good. Gypsy um, or crispy. I don't know. <laughs> go rough, alright. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I will like this. Th- that was like years and years ago. Yeah. And uh, and I I remember like like in between the time that that first came out and like now I will randomly say like anytime anytime. Like I, not any time, but like when I'm agreeable with something, like in my head, occasionally it would say like, "Yeah, that's right." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I I just can't help it. So anyway, yep. Um, yeah, that's such a great sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because Feckus he um, uh, gifted me the digital copy of the gentleman. Mm. Um, it's weird because it was like only on iTunes. Um. So I have it, and because yeah. he and I were supposed to re- review it, and then COVID hit, oh, okay. um, and we just never did. So um, he and I are actually going to record tomorrow. Sweet, you row. Okay, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we're going to be spoiler for uh, next time, but we're going to be reviewing. Oh my god! Oh oh, um, Palm Springs hmm. and the Old Guard, I think. Okay. Um, cool. On Netflix, so yeah, and we'll talk about the gentleman probably. I don't know. I don't, won't have time to see it, so yeah, I'll have him talk about it. You're not like a huge Guy Ritchie fan or anything, but you uh, you don't like dislike him either. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm not a huge Guy Ritchie Guy Ritchie fan. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Did you ever see his? Um, 
his uh, King Arthur movie? Uh, I fell asleep during it. Okay, <laughs> nice. Uh, my wife liked it or not well mm-hmm. enough, though. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Uh, should I bring up mine? Yeah, go for it. Okay, my first potpourri for this episode. I don't have anything really planned, so I'm just looking at my letterboxed. Um, it's funny because like I, so many of these are stuff that I have reviewed or am going to review, so I need to kind of parse it out. I've already talked too much about samurai movies. <laughs> um, I rewatched Pop Star. Nice. Uh, never stop, never stopping. Yeah. Uh, holds up really well. I don't have much to say about it, but I will say that it's kind of unique. Um, in a weird way, I, this is really not good podcasting, but (laughs) last year in July, I think, or maybe June, I saw Seven Samurai in the theater at the Artcraft Theater. And then weirdly enough, the next movie that I saw was Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping. (laughs) And like, it was a rewatch of that. And then now a year later, I watched Seven Samurai and then just completely by coincidence, like not planned at all. The next movie I watched was Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping. Wow. So it's weird. I don't know what to make of it, but there are so many just great, like comedic beats in Popstar. Yes. Um, the whole B segment that is a riff on the whole, like, <laughs> the whole, like, documentary style of, like, oh, to put the cameras away and just having a blank screen and having dialogue. It's just, like, it's a brilliant se- send up of that. And uh, it's great. The music is great. The reason why I watched it was that I fell down a rabbit hole one night and I was just watching Lonely Island videos and listening to Lonely Island songs as I was, like, <laughs> putting off going to sleep. And, just there are so many songs of theirs that I just adore. Yeah. Um just super clever. Um but the soundtrack for Pop Star Never Stopping Never Stop Never Stopping. Um it's I think it I would say it's as good as pretty much any Lonely Island album, but Yeah. I don't think like a Lonely Island album is is less than pop stars soundtrack if that makes sense okay. like the songs aren't i i, I don't know it, eh, i liked it um <laughs> but yeah just the um the <laughs> there's and andy sandberg is amazing yeah he's just he i don't know in the music video for uh for the the song from pop star um fuck bin laden um <laughs> is so great <laughs> And I just, I love, first of all, I love the lyrics of that. It's just so clever. Yeah. Because the premise of the song is that he's hooking up with a woman who, uh, once, <laughs> like the, the repeated, uh, lyric is, I want you to fuck me like we fucked Bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one moment in the song where, uh, she's like, where, where he's like, and she told me that, she told me that, uh, she wanted me to invade, invade her cave. And I was like, he wasn't in a cave. <laughs> and just like the way that like the, the facial expression on Andy Sandberg's face in the music video for that. And like the way it's just like, he's trying to keep up with him with what's going on. He's just like, but he wasn't in a cave. Like, I don't know. Something about that just really, really. Ugh, it is really brilliant. Yeah. And, and pop star is just really great. Um, the oh oh yeah okay pop star is amazing and something that i i don't forget about this but it's something i want to highlight with this rewatch is i think it's chris red he plays 
Hunter the Hungry, I think, the kind of guy that they, the rapper that they bring on for the tour as an opening act. Okay. And like his, his timing and his like just the, what he brings to the role, he's like this very unhinged, crazy dude. (laughs) And like there are moments where like his eyes get really wide and like, and like he says something that's just batshit crazy and it's like it's like a dangerous crazy and like i love it i loved his performance in this movie and like there's a moment toward the end where uh like they're competing on stage like they're like they're trying like uh um andy samberg is connor is uh connor for real he (laughs) is like trying to get on stage and and Chris Red's character is is taking up the time, but like they have like an argument on stage, and then like there, there's a moment where Chris Red is just like it was me uh, <laughs> calling back to something earlier, and that's kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Uh, but his eyes get really really wide, and it's just it's amazing, and it's like the callback to that, like the scene setting that up is like they're trying to figure out what happened that was an embarrassing thing that happened to Connor on stage. And like the back and forth between Chris Red's character and and Andy Samberg is just amazing because he's like, "Did you do this?" And then he's like, "No, I didn't. Maybe I did. Did I do it? Maybe I did. Some I would do it. Maybe I did, but I don't know if I did it. I don't know. It's just like he goes. <laughs> it's just it's really funny. I don't know. I love it. Nice. So. I remember loving the movie and the music, yeah. especially. Oh yeah, I, so I've only good. seen it the one time. It's been a while. Nice. It is on my voodoo. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that actually. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, so that's my first potpourri. Um, Sweet. Yeah, pop star and never stop, never stopping. Nice. Yeah. What's the next up on your list? Uh, next up for me was the movie Midway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, you know, kind of a classic Roland Emmerich movie. Um, right. Uh, getting back into those disaster movies. Yep. Um, Why I never saw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, it does, you know, it's, it's in that vein and it has mm. that effect to it but it's it's substantially different than you know okay. independence day and day after tomorrow and all mm. that stuff it's it's 2012. not 12 right it's not yeah. that movie it's 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 different um because it's telling a true story mm. about you know an actual battle uh in world war Two. <clears throat> but what i really appreciated about it is um being being a fan of history, I, I really didn't. I, I knew very very little about this battle. Okay. Um, and it was so integral and so important to the war, and I just I just knew very little about it. Um, and also being a fan of history, um, uh, war historians um will tell you that uh naval naval warcraft mm-hmm. is like just boring as shit. Oh really? Like yeah, like they'll tell you there because it's it's funny cuz you know back in the day at least um the naval ships would like they kept a log of every every time they turned the wheel like there's a log and someone records it so you can oh, really? literally sit there and like read the two different logs of the battling ships and you can like have a full narrative story of what happened wow. but it's like ship turned right fired cannons and like ship turned left and fired this cannon and it's uh, like is it like before <laughs> yeah it's, it's like battleship yeah D3? that's probably where the game came from yeah. honestly it's probably some guy who was in the navy um and had a million dollar idea Jeez. um but so i've never really looked at naval history mm. and like i've i've just i've just that's kind of a I guess an inside joke with war historians is like, it's okay. like, Oh great. A naval battle. It's just boring as shit. Um, 
but I really respected the movie because mm-hmm. it it takes something that's notoriously boring mm-hmm. and weaves it in together with all these other storylines and gives you interesting characters and incredible spectacle with the way that Roland really? Emmerich does, you know, and made it a really great story and, and just fully wow. compelling. And I was in it all the way. Hmm. Um, it, it was very, it felt very, um, lofty and patriotic, but not like okay. in a, not like false patriotism, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very, um, it was very <laughs> inspired. Okay. I'll, I'll put it that way. It was very inspired. Nice. Um, and it's, it's one of those stories where, we truly overcame other, I mean, not we, but you know what right. I'm saying? These soldiers and, and airmen truly overcame the odds and did something miraculous that like wow. some people have never done since and had never done before. And it's, it's just such a cool story. Um, I'm, I was, I'm just really glad that I actually have some knowledge of what mm-hmm. happened there now. And it's such a pivotal moment in that. You know, the greatest conflict the planet's ever seen. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it was just really cool. I, I, I really enjoyed the shit out of it. Um, it has a phenomenal mm. cast again. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the star is kind of Ed Screen, who is probably okay. most famous for, uh, Deadpool, mm-hmm. uh, the, the villain in Deadpool. Um, but then Patrick Wilson, Woody Harrelson, wow. uh, Luke Evans, uh, Mandy Moore, Dennis Quaid, Aaron Eckhart, uh, the Nick Jonas, who was really good, actually. Oh, wow. Um, he was in the Jumanji movie. Oh, okay. Um, he's, so he's, he's getting into acting now, apparently, and I just didn't think much of him then, but I actually, <laughs> he did a pretty good job in this movie. I was, nice. I was really surprised. Okay. Um, but, uh, was, uh, the standout for me was actually like Dennis Quaid. Oh, wow. Um, he played, uh, William Bull Halsey. He was, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Admiral is the highest rank in the Navy. Yeah. Okay. I think he's an admiral of like, uh, one of the, um, ships, like an aircraft carrier. Gotcha. Um, and he, I, I am not a Dennis Quaid fan. Yeah. He's, I, I'm hit or miss with him. Yeah. He's, he's, I've never, never been blown away by him. Yeah. He seems to kind of do, bring the same energy and do the same thing every yeah. role he takes. Right. Definitely not a bad actor though. Right. Never would say that about him, but just never latched onto him. Um, mm-hmm. and he didn't blow me away in this movie, but he was really good. I just thought he, nice. he embodied, just a, a a gruff, rugged kind of guy, really well. Um, just an old Navy man. Nice. I really, I really dug that. Um, he did a good job. But yeah, it's it's a really cool movie. Um, and there's all this, you know, it's. I feel like it's there's all this stuff that's supposed to be boring. <laughs> like yeah, like um, Patrick Wilson's character is like a naval, is like an intelligence officer. Okay, it's like he gathers intelligence. It's like they're literally like breaking codes and. Mm-hmm. They're trying to strategize when this attack's going to happen, and um, there's all these politics involved and all this guesswork, and it's like so much strategizing. You would really think that it would drag the movie down, but mm. they just they managed to. Uh, it was written by West Took, yeah. Um, managed to just weave it all together really, really well to where it just didn't lag anywhere. Um, I, it would definitely wouldn't have made like a top ten list or an honorable yeah. mention for it came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was just a really cool movie. Nice. How were the visual effects and everything? Because, like, anytime I see a Roland Emmerich movie, and, like, this goes to, I mean, even as recent as uh, um, Independence Day Resurgence, mm. um, he, I, the thing that sticks out to me is he, like, he utilizes <clears throat> green screen, and this was atrocious in 2012, the movie, the mm. movie 2012, but he uses green screens, and it's like they don't 
they like they don't know how to light it like it looks like uh-huh. it's just like against a backdrop of like it looks like just amateur hour and i'm like every time i see it and i see it in multiple of multiple movies of his which is why i avoided midway like the plague <laughs> um like corona but um but like uh, every time i see it i'm like this is this is a multiple million dollar production yeah and they they didn't spring for like time on this particular aspect of it so how were the visual effects and did did they stick out to you in any negative way or positive way it was positive for or me midway <laughs> nice uh it was positive for me but that kind of stuff doesn't mm. stick out to me unless it's like really egregious yeah in like 2012 that movie like I, I know the effects weren't top notch, but they mm-hmm. didn't bother me. Like I don't, I don't okay. remember the bad effects in that at all. Yeah. It just doesn't jump out to me. So, if you watched it, there may be some things that you may not have liked about it. But sure. um, there's in particular the main character, sort of. The, he's kind of the the thread through all the stories. Is uh, mm-hmm. Ed Screen's character uh, Richard Best, okay. um, who like is still the only person they they have a nice. They they talked about all the real the real people the real world people at the end of the movie and okay. like showed their picture and, and their accomplishments and he's still like the only person to ever take out two major targets in a single day. Wow! Um, and that involves dive bombing. Like they go okay. almost straight down and drop one single bomb onto a ship while every Japanese person in the world is shooting guns at them. Jesus. Um, and the visual was so fucking cool. It was like okay. a video game. I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. The, the color was just ex- like explosions. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, but it was explosive color. That's the way okay. I would explain it. Just all these bombs going off and it's, he's just fighting through this. It looks impossible, mm-hmm. um, which I have no idea if that's how it looks like in real life, but right. I don't care. It was amazing in the movie. Um, okay. And there's a lot of that in the movie. Wow. Um, I, I, I thought that was such a cool, a cool way to film it. And it's CGI, you know, I, yeah, there's yeah. like, I, I don't think almost any of it was practical, right? but that's fine with me. It, it, it was really effective for me. So, nice. but I, you might, you may feel differently if you, okay. if you see it eventually, I um, might check it out. I know it's on HBO right now. Yeah. That's how we watched it. Yeah. Yeah. So I will see. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I, we'll and I, and I wouldn't blame you. It's, it's another Roland Emmerich disaster movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, yeah. I really dug it though. I mean, it, it, it checked a lot of boxes for me. So nice. it's kind of a, right. a personal, a personal thing too. So, okay. Yeah. It was, it was great. Cool. Awesome. Well, should I go next? Yes, sir. Okay. So I went on kind of a tear, uh, last, I think it was Friday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. It was Friday. So I decided to watch strangers on a train. And then okay. I followed that up with Psycho. And then I followed that up with Sabotage. Uh, and then The Lady Vanishes. And then a day later, I watched North by Northwest. I went through a run of a lot of Hitchcock Jeez. movies. And, man, I want to highlight a couple of them because uh, it, it'll it take too much time to talk about all of them. But <laughs> Strangers on a Train. Have you seen Strangers on a Train? I have not. Okay. I saw it once before, but long, long ago, so I did not remember a lot of it. Um, really, like, just when, okay, when, when people are of a legendary stature, like Alfred Hitchcock is, you kind of, I don't want to say like, oh, it's like they're, it's blowing up 
his like his legacy and everything. It's not like it's not like um, elevating it or anything like that. I'm not trying to cast aspersions or anything, but when you hear like, oh, he's the master of suspense, it's like okay, that's an that's an interesting moniker, sure, mm-hmm. whatever. But and like and that's evident in all of the Hitchcock movies that I've seen, like Psycho and everything. Um, but Strangers on a Train has such a great command of that mounting tension and the interplay between the two leads are so is is so just hypnotizing hmm. like in particular um basically just for those who don't know it's a, a psychotic socialite confronts a pro tennis star with a theory on how two complete strangers can get away with murder a theory that he plans to implement so it's such i i kind of thought of it Going into it, I didn't remember much of it. I thought, oh, it's about two people on a train who devise the perfect murder where they each murder the other person's victim so they can't be traced back to back uh, to them. Okay. And so I was like, okay, this is what I'm going into. This is what I know it to be about. But it's not about that. Uh. <laughs> it's about Bruno Antony, played by Robert Walker. He's the psychopathic socialite that, that approaches uh, the pro tennis player, played by... Farley Granger. Hmm. So, um, Bruno Antony is an incredible villain. Like, this movie came out in 1951, so obviously it's like 10 years before Psycho, and Norman Bates is, is iconic and everything, but Bruno Antony, the way that Robert Walker plays this role is so magnetic. Like, he is, he is so deranged but he plays it not as like a a scary character or anything. He's just magnetic and he is so borderline charming and it's this it's this derangement that's in his performance that just drives the tension so well because the way it plays out is that he does the murder and ropes <laughs> um uh he he ropes uh, the um, the co lead into kind of a lifeboat of a situation, <laughs> um, and they kind of go north by northwest all over the place. And uh, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, there's this whole family plot that. Um, <laughs> I, sorry. Um, Stop. Okay. <laughs> I just I I hope that that didn't give anyone vertigo. So anyway. He ropes him into this uh, into this plot like he's um, it's kind of the standard like oh well you know you're complicit in this in this crime and everything so you need to do this and everything and it's it's so intimidating in a very deranged psychotic way and the way that the movie uses like this carousel um, at specific high points in the movie like there are two big set pieces with the with the carousel. It's just it's so stunning and just the way that it's it plays out the way that Alfred Hitchcock communicates that through the camera is just stunning. Um and also Robert Walker to, to like there's a moment where after he's committed the crime he sees something that reminds him of the crime and it's like it is one of the most like interesting depictions of like psychosis and and psychotic tendencies and everything and just a killer uh on film i just i think that robert walker played it so well it's it's a really good movie sweet so, yeah i recommend it 
Okay, nice. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I do have a couple more that I want to talk about. Is it okay? Okay, sure, yeah. Okay. So I watched Strangers on a Train, and uh, let's see, Sabotage was okay. The Lady Vanishes was pretty cool. North by Northwest. Have you seen North by Northwest? Yes. Okay. Insanely good. Really, really good movie. Um, I had seen it before... I think. I think I was like a teenager the last time I saw it. Yeah, me too. It's weird. I didn't mark it as a rewatch on Letterboxd. But anyway, now I did. <laughs> so um, it is It is just incredible. I went on this Twitter kind of, not rant, but this I tweeted out a thread of uh, tweets all about the crop duster scene, which... Mm-hmm. I like when I saw it when I was a kid, I didn't really put together how just masterful it is. Yeah. But holy crap, it is it is a perfect example of what people mean when they say Alfred Hitchcock was a master of suspense. Yeah. Like every component of that sequence is a master stroke. It is insane. Because we have a character that we know has been led to this to this particular place in in a malicious way like he doesn't know that he doesn't know that the bad guys know that where he's going to be and so we go into the scene knowing that oh he is about to be killed and it is such an inversion of what you would expect it's the it's the opposite it's this wide open desolate cornfield in indiana shout out to our state nice um and it's just this wide open thing Hitchcock shows us this, establishes it as this desolate place, and then we see the crop duster in the background and we hear it just faintly. And then after that, it's mostly silent throughout the rest of it. And there are, it's like, it's, it escalates as the scene unfolds, uh, as the scene unfolds leading up to the crop duster. So I'll walk us through it a little bit because I'm, I was just so floored by it. So he's standing there all alone. The bus has dropped him off. He's completely alone. He sees one car come up. The whole premise is that he is about to meet the secret agent that he has been mistaken for. And it's going to sort everything out. But little does he know that people are about to come to try to murder him. Mm -hmm. So he sees a car. It's this white, like, van, like, small van that comes up. And he thinks that it's him, but it's not. It's just a decoy. It's It's just a misdirection. And then after that is from the opposite side from the from the opposite direction is this black like i don't know if it's a cadillac or whatever but it's like a black like car that i associate with like like mobsters and stuff like that type of like big boat ass car (laughs) (laughs) and it's coming up from the other direction after the other car is gone so he's so he's away again thorn thornhill is away uh carrie grant is by himself again the car comes up it's not anything to do with him either so that's fine and then again from the first direction from the other direction after we've reestablished that he's all alone again we see a big ass semi come by (laughs) and it's like we get that we get that just uh fear like that that tension has been escalating and then after that again another misdirect it's misdirect 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 then a car pulls up from across the street by the by the cornfield and a guy comes out and stands across the street and so it's like okay well this is this is Kaplan this is the guy he's meeting and everything this is this is what's going on so he goes over and talks to him the guy has no clue what he's doing he's just waiting for the bus <laughs> and then i love i lo- and i know i'm just kind of getting in the weeds here but this is i just think this this is just masterful so the guy leaves on the bus 
and we see like Thornhill played by uh, uh, Cary Grant is now alone again and he's watching the bus leave like this is his out this is his escape he could have escaped it but he's gone and then after that we get another establishment that he's that he's alone and everything and then it's not until then that we even really register the crop duster um and it's just slowly comes up slowly bears down on him and it is an explosion of sound because up until then it's been mostly quiet and everything and then it's just boom it's like overbearing in the soundtrack just the sound of the plane and like it cuts across and tries to it runs him down a few times and makes a few attempts and each time it's a different escalation like first he he jumps into the ditch to to get cover from it and then he goes into uh the cornfield and then the plane comes back around and starts uh starts dusting the crops of it to to get him like uh to poison him and everything and then I don't think it's until after that that we get the iconic scene of him running away from the plane as it's coming down on him again. Yeah. And it's just like, and then the way it ends, I won't give it away, but a, another vehicle comes up and like, it's just, it's, it's masterful. It's just like that escalating tension throughout all of those pieces yeah. was just insanely good. And the visuals too. Yes. Yeah. Visually. Oh Yeah. It was coming coming back so to me good. as you were telling it, yeah. Because it's been so long since I watched it. I was so excited about it, <laughs> um, yeah. And just and the rest of the movie, I I love. And something that I I picked up on, and then like it's what other people have said about it and everything. So it's not like a unique thought or whatever. But it's amazing because this movie came out in 1959. It was what three years before doctor no the first james bond movie Mm -hmm. in north by northwest is a james bond movie right (laughs) like it is like the precursor to the james bond franchise and it's just i don't know something about hitchcock doing this spy thriller which is not something that he's that he was uh that he was unfamiliar with there's a lot of spy movies in his in his in his catalog Mm -hmm. but doing this very fun movie star spy thriller thing with Cary Grant and Ava Marie Saint is is insanely good in this. Um just so so good. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Uh I, I've rated it five stars. I was like so nice. excited about That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh it's great. I know what you're talking about too with mm. with the way that Hitchcock uses like silence. Yeah. Because he does it in, in a lot of his suspense mm. movies because so we we try we tend to think of like you know this buildup of music and a crescendo as yeah. as actually being tense, but really the silence is more tense and more thrilling than anything yes. else. And it makes me think of the movie Rear Window, oh, yeah. the the climax which we watched last year. I want to say for the podcast, did we watch it for the podcast? I thought we talked about it. We did. I know we definitely watched it. Yeah, because this is the first time I'd ever seen it. I'd never seen it before. Wow. Um, but in the crescendo or the the climax of that movie, there's an action. There's like an action scene, and it's very silent. Nice. And that's I, I just remember thinking that like, wow, the use of sound is so cool in this. And yeah, you know, there's so much going on. You would expect some dialogue or some quips mm-hmm. or some a bunch of noise, but it was just the way that he uses the silence is so cool. So 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 cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. And yes, we. So we talked about Rear Window in episode 250, which was our IMDb top 250 picks. Uh, so oh, each picked, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's right, yeah. Yeah. You picked that for me to watch. Uh, yes, and you picked the Elephant Man for me right. to watch. That's right. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, but but yeah, North by Northwest is amazing. Rear window is amazing as well. Mm-hmm. I need to revisit that also. Yeah. Um, I've been going through such a kick of again, and I did this earlier this year, but so tiny <laughs> Barnes and Noble. By the time this po- by the time this episode posts, it'll be ended because it ends on August second, I think. But Barnes and Noble has their annual fifty uh, percent off Criterion yeah. uh, sale. Whew. I've bought like eight of them. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's it's insane. I bought Stagecoach because um, I'm planning that for an episode later in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, foreign correspondent. Uh, I'm blanking on so many of them now. <laughs> um, Rebecca, another Hitchcock movie. Um, okay. Hang on, let me see. I have them here. Okay, so I bought The Blob and this movie called Gate of Hell, hmm. uh, a Japanese movie. Um, Stagecoach, the original 310 to Yuma, The Lady Vanishes, Foreign Correspondent, and Rebecca. Wow. And I think something else, but I can't remember. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, I've been on a kick from that. And, man, Criterion releases are just insanely cool. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I've been watching some Hitchcock. And, uh, yeah. Tiny, what do you have next for nice. Potpourri? <laughs> well, uh, I think we can both talk about it. <gasps> um, Finally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the Vast of Night. Yes. From Amazon. Okay. So, I reviewed it with Ben a oh, few episodes okay. ago. Yeah. But, oh, I loved it. So, tell me what you thought of The Vast of Night. Man, it was a really cool movie. Um, highly stylistic. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of style to it. But um, just to get it out of the way, mm-hmm. the lighting just drove me nuts. Oh, interesting. Really drove me nuts. Because okay. I was like... What about the lighting? I was like, what does this guy look like? I can't see this guy's face. Like, it's so dark. The whole movie was so freaking dark. Really? It, it kind of drove me nuts. Wow. Um, I, I couldn't tell. Like, if I if I saw... Any of the actors walking down the street, I would not know who they are. Really? Yeah, because it was just so. It was just so dark. The lighting just drove me nuts. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. But other than that, it was a really damn good movie. Nice. Um, just the, especially the opening sequence, which mm-hmm. is sort of like a long take, kind of a a, a camera following a character through a the mm-hmm. warm up of a basketball game. Yeah. That was so cool and just so like cool. all the all the attention to detail mm-hmm. and um the continual rapid dialogue so good. um that you don't even lose track of it like it's mm-hmm. you would think it would be like like Aaron Sorkin walk and talk kind of like right. okay what did they just say there did we miss something like yeah. but it really wasn't it was it was rapid but still digestible i guess yeah very conversational and, yeah yeah but just drenched in like the best t- type of wit and yes the back and forth was so good the wittiness of uh, the main character mm. was like one of my favorite parts. Oh, me too. Because he's such like a vintage radio guy. Yeah. Um, just like with so much personality. Mm-hmm. Um, Everett, Everett, that was Everett, his name. Yeah, I mentioned this. Yeah, I, I mentioned this before, and I'm going. It's going to be the repetition is annoying, but I was so tickled by this. His name is Everett Sloan. And I've mentioned this to you on the podcast before, but anyway, <laughs> Everett Sloan is the name of the actor who played Franklin in The Fever in the original Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, he, something that struck me about that, that I don't think I mentioned, like, he's like, he's like, like you said, he's like the quintessential, like, kind of 50s radio DJ guy, but I'm like, 
he's so cool. He <laughs> is. He's like the coolest guy. And I was like, I was so just taken with that. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a scene later in the movie where, oh God, what is the girl's name? Um, Faye. Faye. She goes in to a house to get her sister or her, her baby cousin or her sister or brother. And, uh, the person that's there watching the kid is like, Oh, is that, is that that, is that that radio guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then just the way that Faye's like, yeah, it, stop smiling. Stop, stop smiling. <laughs> like it's just, it's so charming. Like they're, yeah. the chemistry between them was just, just insanely good definitely yeah so anyway what else did you think of it? yeah so the, the movie just had such a it's 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 amazing what they achieved by by showing us so little mm-hmm. like it's it's amazing the it's it's the writing um more than anything but also just the the dialogue and the acting was just so cool because yeah. basically aliens are hanging around this town Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's these characters kind of slowly discovering that and coming to that realization, um, but you you don't see them. It's all it's all transmitted in dialogue, and it's yeah. all it's all conveyed through body language. And um, there's there's some very kind of Hitchcocky intense moments where they're totally. kind of racing across town to go yeah. do this thing or like interview this person or get this thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you just feel like something's going to jump on the screen and it never does. And that's what makes it so good. Yeah. Like it's, it's just this buildup of tension and, and, um, the stakes are just high the whole mm-hmm. time. It's so cool. Um, and it's, it's set in this like this backdrop of like 1950s 1960ish mm-hmm. um sort of post war you know right when science fiction is really kind of peaking yeah um or it's not peaking and but it's it's, it's it's taking off exploding yeah it's becoming a sub a very established subgenre yeah. in the 50s is when science fiction really took off um and it's it's just set in that backdrop and then it has this I'm not even sure what they were going for. Like if, like if they wanted, I don't know if the filmmaker wanted us to think we were sort of watching a Twilight Zone science fiction theater type story, mm-hmm. like we were being immersed in one, or if it was just a cool effect or kind of a nod to those. I don't know what they exactly what they were going for, but yeah. it was it was kind of a cool homage to mm-hmm. the to vintage sci-fi like science fiction theater or Twilight Zone or stuff like that absolutely like that yeah. that's what floored me about it right. <laughs> like i was so floored by it um yeah i i loved it you can listen to my review and read my review i wrote a review of it oh um, sweet okay. as well but yeah i just i really 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 dug that movie there's one or a couple of sequences that i was just gobsmacked by the the artistry of it mm-hmm. it's that like single take zoom through the town from yeah. one location to another and then to another location leading up to the radio station. And like, I, I paused it the first time I saw it and I was just like, uh, I, this must be tweeted. Um, <laughs> and I tweeted about it, but like, I looked at it, like, I was so fascinated cause I was like, how? Like, cause this is, this is the filmmaker's first movie. Oh wow. Um, and I was like, I was blown away by that. Damn. And apparently the way that they did that was they strapped a camera onto a go-kart 
<laughs> and they did that. But even that, like, that's great for just going from one location to the other. But, like, it's so seamless the way that the camera, like, detaches from the go-kart with like un unbeknownst to the to the to the viewer and then just floats into the into the gymnasium goes through the gymnasium like all the cross talking of different characters and the the basketball players and stuff and then up the bleachers and then through the window yeah and then back outside and then over to like it's just oh i was blown away by it i like i thought that was great such um, cool camera work. Yeah, I I was so so impressed by that. Yeah. Um and then yeah. one scene that also is worth mentioning and kind of mm. jumps out is where they go interview a local person mm-hmm. about her experience with extraterrestrials basically. Yeah. Uh the character is Mabel played by Gail Croner. Mm-hmm. Um I I like had chills during her telling her yeah. soliloquy her story um i could not take my eyes off of her right that performance and that writing in that scene is just amazing it's a like it's a very static camera yep it's just sitting there and she's just doing her thing mm-hmm. just hitting hitting her performance out of the park nailing these lines just emotion falling off her face these pallid eyes that she has that I was blown away. That was like yeah. an Oscar-worthy performance in like f- a five minutes of screen time. Totally, it was so incredible. I loved that scene. Oh yeah, so cool. That and another kind of mark for the performances and stuff is like there's this just again it's it's all in service to the energy of the movie and the tension and everything. But like all of the um. All of the all of the tension and all the characters, they even when they're doing like kind of innocuous things, like or it's all in service of the tension. In that like Sierra McCormick when she's doing when as Faye she's doing the the phone operator stuff, just the way that she's like taking the taking the plugs out and plugging them into different places and yeah. stuff. It's this like it's this there's a rapidness to it, but it's like a controlled rapid energy. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like it's like. You can tell how like second nature the this is to the character, and I think I heard that um, the actress had been like would practice like practice that yeah. any chance she could get, so that she could really nail down uh, just the just the way that uh, make sure that it seems so natural and like it was like a dance. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like it's a choreography unto itself, and it's like it's so just like the energy is just so good i I loved it yeah this is a really cool movie yeah oh absolutely um yeah yeah i'm gonna tell my dad about it i think he'd love it i had no idea it was the guy's first movie yeah it's super impressive definitely Um, i gave it an eight out of ten nice yeah um i rated it four stars um okay yeah, four stars. I've, I mean, I've already seen it twice, so I could see that growing um, to maybe a four and a half. Nice. Yeah, I gave it four stars on uh, on Letterboxd and nice. eight on IMDb. So sweet. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, do you, should we kind of start winding down a little bit? Yeah, we can wind down. Okay. Um. um okay. Yeah. One more each. Sure, yeah. Okay. So, 
Uh, what should I pick? Okay, kind of in that same vein. Um, I'll probably talk more about it on Patreon um, later, but uh, The War of the Worlds from 1953. Nice. So The War of the Worlds, it was recently released on Criterion, um, and I had previously seen this movie back in... 2015 or 16 i don't remember when but it was at the Arcraft theater they had the big um sci-fright frenzy i've referenced before just many different movies uh spread over two days god i love that place but anyway um war of the worlds was on it and that's the only time that i saw it so when the criterion came out i snatched it because uh i want to expand my science fiction viewing a lot more and i have very long-term long-term plans for anthology so uh yeah i need to kind of i'm i'm collecting these movies so the war of the worlds of course is based on hg wells's novel uh the residents of a small town are excited when a flaming meteor lands in the hills until they discover it is the first of many transport devices from mars um this movie holds up pretty well for me um I remember really liking it just in the concept level. Like I've never read the, read the book or heard Orson Welles's um, radio play of it, but this rendition of it um, is something that every time I revisit it, it kind of grows on me each, each time. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, like I saw it in on 35 millimeter back at, at the art craft, but Seeing it here on Blu-ray, like the restaurant, like Criterion is insane, but it is just beautiful, like immaculate. And it just really, it pops on screen. The sound design of it is just insanely cool. Nice. And uh, yeah, I I really loved it, or I I really loved the experience of watching it. The movie itself, the, the plot itself is a little flimsy. Um, and then, like, the ending is kind of... It's interesting, because, like, I don't know if you know... Have you ever seen it? No, I've just seen a Tom Cruise one. Okay. Um, yeah, it is on my voodoo. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so, uh, the ending kind of comes, not a, necessarily out of nowhere, but it's it's a, it's a unique ending and everything. But um, all I'll say is that it's interesting seeing it and in, in equating it to how, like, M. Night Shyamalan... Uh, did signs because it's clear mm-hmm. like he was influenced by that. Yeah. So yeah, it was really cool, and I also watched the uh, watch it with the commentary track on it, and uh, mm-hmm. it was really cool. The commentary was done by a couple of people or a few people. Um, one is Joe Dante, um, the director. Okay. And uh, it was really cool. It was really insightful. There was um, <laughs> something that I keep thinking about anytime I hear kind of the older generations talk about movies and everything mm-hmm. is that like the thing that I kind of keep playing in my head is that I, I think my goal in life is to live long enough to where I can be like an older man who feels confident enough in my opinions to refer to movies as pictures. <laughs> um, Cause I don't know. I'm just super charmed by that. Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah, anyway, um, war of the worlds, 1953 criterion set is really good. Very beautiful uh, transfer of it. It's it's just really good. Sweet. Um, yeah, and you've seen the t- uh, Tom Cruise one. Mm-hmm. I re I rewatched that after this, and I'm I was kind of conf- like, it doesn't hold up for me. How did you feel about it? I I haven't seen it in years, but mm-hmm. I remember liking it a lot actually. Nice. Okay. Yeah. 
It was Spielberg too, right? Yeah, Spielberg. Um, yeah. The thing that I found kind of fascinating about it is that it is, I mean, it is very, very clearly a post nine eleven movie. It was made in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and it has a lot of. It's it's a fascinating movie to watch as a reaction to nine eleven. Like this came out four years after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Math is hard, um, <laughs> and it's like so much of the fear and everything of it is, is based in that nine 11 post nine 11 kind of fear that was, you know, that we faced and everything. And it's just, I don't know. It's something about that just feels incongruous. Um, my friend Evan over at Midwest film journal and the IFJA, he was a guest on, um, uh, last December, he wrote a really good write up about it. I'll put a link hmm. in the show notes, but okay. it's, uh, it just didn't really sit well with me, but yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Also, uh, the cast is really interesting. Um, particularly, uh, the kid who uh, plays his kid is Justin Chatwin. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I, I didn't remember that. And until Dakota Fanning, right? Dakota Fanning. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. So yeah. Anyway, that's War of the Worlds. Uh, do you want to round us out for Popper? Yeah, this will be brief, but okay. uh, I think you'll appreciate it. Um, yes. and maybe scold me a little bit, but okay. I actually watched the movie Inside Out for the first time. Really? Pixar movie. I had never watched it. Wow. For no reason. Okay. Um, I had just not, I just never had felt in the mood for like a kids animated movie. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. That makes me very sad. Yeah. <laughs> and angry. Nice. And not joyful. My joy has gone. It has left. God. Um, um, I absolutely loved it, of course. Nice. I mean, I, I, had, I had no doubt that I was going to like it, but. It was just, it was just a beautiful movie. Nice. Um, yeah, I really loved it. Mm. Um, the part that, <laughs> uh, I watched it with Paige. She had never mm. seen it either. Wow. The, the part that we keep like referencing or coming back to is mm. in the end when, um, the girl, I don't even remember her name. Um, Riley? Riley. She's getting ready to, go play a hockey game and mm-hmm. she like bumps into another boy <laughs> and it zooms into his head and it's just like girl yes! girl girl like we f- <laughs> cry laughed at that so great. it was so funny <laughs> um so yeah we keep we keep referencing that part of the movie um, nice but man it was i just the creativity mm-hmm. of that story is just mind-boggling. That, yeah. Sorry for the pun. Pardon the pun. <laughs> right. Um, it's just, it's amazing that somebody thought that up. Yep. And, and it, the detail of it and all of the, the facets of what a person's brain can be like mm-hmm. and how you can lose memories and the, the idea of a, of a core memory and yeah. all that is just so, it's really fascinating, first of all, mm-hmm. but really just beautiful. Frankly, that's the best word Absolutely. for it. I love, I really loved it. It's, it's one of those Pixar movies that does what Pixar does best in taking a very complex emotional kind of thing and contextualizing it into an easy to understand kind of magical world that they inhabit. And this is probably like the most direct utilization of that talent of Pixar because it's it is a very complex kind of thing like it's very the complexity of human emotion and of a of a of a preteen of an adolescent girl is like insanely complex and they mm. they they narrow it down to such an easy to understand thing and that's one of the things that I know a lot of people said when it came out um is that this is a movie that 
is a teaching tool for kids too. Like it's, yeah. it's teaching kids like, Oh, this is how you understand like how this, this is like, it gives a shorthand for kids to communicate their emotions and, in very plain ways. And it's just so just amazing. It is. Yeah. And just the use of color, like the, it's so colorful yeah. and just unique and, and right. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I loved the, sort of the conquering theme of the end of the film is that, uh, the character of joy comes to the realization that, um, good or like positive things Mm -hmm. can come from, from each emotion. Like she doesn't have to be only happy all the time. Right. Um, which I think is, it's a, it's a fun thing to explore and it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I've, sort of funneled that through the the lens of art enjoying art because okay. i feel like we have all these genres of art specifically like movies like mm-hmm. that's that's what you know that's why we're here right um but like i i think my favorite genre of movies is just like straight straight dramatic movies mm-hmm. that's what really jumps out to me and and drama can be really sad yeah and <clears throat> my wife the exact opposite she Mm -hmm. like i I always think of the movie like um uh like schindler's list like oh yeah it makes you feel terrible right but i fucking love that movie yeah and 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 it's i i i enjoy the way it makes me feel even though it makes me cry and it makes me sad Mm -hmm. i still find enjoyment and value in it yeah and she's the opposite like she she's never seen that movie Wow. And she doesn't like to watch like the dramatic sad movie. Like I kind of had to talk her into watching Midway even oh, yeah. even though she likes she likes action movies. Right. But she's like, "Oh, it's a war movie though. Like a bunch of people are going to die. It's going to be sad. Huh. I don't know." She really loves to watch comedy. Comedy is okay. her jam. Um uh and she likes documentaries as well, but mm-hmm. and you can even an, another kind of jump is like horror like i'm not a i'm not much of a horror fan but like i know you and mike especially mike right are big fans and it's like i totally get why being scared or terrified of something can be very positive right it's the same reason why people go to haunted houses and yeah stuff like that it's it's it just i love that it explored that how every emotion can have value yes that's a really incredible thing yeah, I I love it for that. Did you did you watch it because I brought it up in my in my incessant? No, it was Paige's idea. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I think we watched it on Ear Voodoo though. Oh, really? I think that's okay. how we watched it. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's on Disney Plus. So oh, that may be how we watched yeah. it. Disney Plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah. Well, I think that will do it. Yeah, that was yeah. a good good pot pouring. It, it was. It was good to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm glad that you've forgiven me. I don't. That's not. Any, I don't know. Uh. Um. Anyway, so uh, next time on the podcast, I'm gonna have Fekas on for a very special episode. Ooh. Um. Because Fekas has COVID nineteen. He does. Yeah. Um. He's okay. He's fine. Um. <laughs> but I, I'm looking forward to doing like really stupid. Jokes so and, many jokes and yeah. puns. He's gonna be so annoyed. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. Um <laughs> like I'm I'm hoping that I pull the trigger on this, but I wanna say like I wanna break into it. I might actually in post break into the episode and just do like a do like a thing. Phone lines are open now. 
for the Robert Feckus Relief uh, <laughs> COVID Relief Fund, go to <laughs> paypal.me slash obsessive viewer and make a donation. Nice. None of it will go to Feckus, but he needs he needs this now. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So anyway, really stupid episode, but we're going to be reviewing Palm Springs. That's on Hulu. And we're going to be talking about the old guard, which is on Netflix. Um, we're getting into this groove on Obsessive Viewer where we're doing like two reviews a week or two reviews an episode. And I'm kind of liking that. Sweet. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, next time you're on, we'll have to pick two movies and review them. Okay. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, check out our Patreon, um, page at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Uh, all you have to do, donate a minimum or pledge a minimum of $1 per month. You can pledge more. Um, but $1 per month gets you access to an exclusive RSS feed that you'll hear a clip from here in a second. But we have tons of content there that is a lot of fun. Uh, just us riffing and doing stupid B-roll stuff. Um, yeah, it's really w- worth it. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Also check out our other shows, Anthology and Tower Junkies. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Tiny, any parting thoughts? Nope. All right. Well, I'll talk to you in another three months. And, uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And I want to basically Jesus. bring it down to like, okay, three different tiers. One for the, this is the outline for it, guys. Um, one for this feed that you're listening to. One for video reviews that we'll do whenever theaters open back up and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the, I think, $10 founding father. <laughs> uh, without a father. Um, yeah. <laughs> Got a lot farther by got a lot farther by working a lot harder and uh, and being a self starter, <laughs> being, being a lot smarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fourteen. Fourteen. It, they, they place them in, in charge of a trading charter. charter. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com/slash/ov/archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike white. That's me at R a Feckus and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. 
For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!